All right, man. Nice to see you, Lowell, everybody. Welcome to Star Chat. This is your host, David Wallace. And we're going to show some really interesting photographs and have a chat about a few things. I was going to fly solo tonight, but it's so lovely just to catch up with Lowell. You know, when you're best friends with somebody, it's like, yeah, you know what? The guy's got too much to say. And I want, I want Lowell to be a participant tonight at the very last moment I was thinking I have plenty to say, but it's always nice to have that balance. And I was just admitting to Lowell how anal retentive I am when it comes to thoughts or things and how, when the people from the Taurus region realigned my neural network and cleaned my brain out and reloaded me with essential tools for thought, they really, drove home what thoughts or things me, uh, means. And thoughts or things is such a wonderful uh, analogy for all decisions that we make and the way we speak about ourselves and each other. You know, when we always, we, we, we want the community and we want the tribe to feel good about themselves. As an ambassador, it's so important to be there like a big brother or like a dad or a mom because we're looking at the human factor. We're looking at human beings being a conduit for emotional expression, just like the L video, how we have thoughts of joy, and those joy thoughts must be mixed in with our present dharma, our present soul job. That what you do as a human being, not what you do for an income. So we're talking about how I'm a little uptight about thoughts of things. When we express uh, ideas, and Lowell was talking about uh, giving away, they gave away their sovereignty, and this is why we have this issue of the current shit show that they call reality. And he said it in the way he said, you gave away your, your sovereignty. What do you expect? And I said, you got to stop. I didn't give my sovereignty away. Someone else did. And he goes, Yeah, but you know what I mean. And I said, Yeah, but you know, I'm anal retentive. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hold this thoughts of things to the letter, which is really important because even we even the amount of time we spend studying philosophy and studying uh, our own minds and the way that we think and our own brains and the way that it functions, we want to be conscientious, kind people all the time. I don't know anybody that doesn't, unless you're, you know, a xenophobic psychopath. You know, those are the only types of people that don't want to be kind. So we all have these commonalities of thought, these commonalities of the way we think we should be. And those are connected to the way other people see us and the way we perceive other people seeing us. It's also connected to your positive outlook and the outcome of your day and the outcome of your day tomorrow. It isn't just based on how you decide to wake up. It's based on how you perceive yourself in this reality. So when you think of something or when you say something, remember a, a really good example of this, everybody is instead of using the H word and saying, Oh, I, I hate that. Instead of saying that word, say, I have a very strong dislike for that. And it may take a little bit more effort. And, you know, you may sound a bit wordy or prolix when you're speaking that way. But at least you're not giving your energy to the H factor. And so thoughts of things goes into every walk. So when we talk about 
expressions of of like, well, you you know, you did this as a people, and it's like, well, not everybody did it. So you have to kind of say, a lot of people did this. They gave a lot of people gave away their sovereignty, and I agree, agree totally with Lowell. Um, you just let shit happen, and if you're not vociferous, and if you don't try and make a difference, then you're gonna let the scumbags rule the earth. So this is um, Henri Bergson, and he was a, a French philosopher who was born in 1841. He died in, no, 1859, died in 1941. He uh, originally started studying psychiatry, and he became uh, uh, disinterested and thought that psychiatry was a scam. He went to uh, theologian school or theology school, studied the Bible for a few years, read a lot of philosophy from, you know, the Greek poets and the Greek great thinkers. And he became a philosopher and he became a very popular one. So what Henri Bergson said here, and this is from, uh, this was said to me by my friend who lives in uh, uh, the Mediterranean. It says, the eyes can only see what the mind is prepared to comprehend. And people, when you think about this, it means that, you may shut down when you see something because you're unable to comprehend it. And this is going into thoughts or things, but it's also going into opening yourself up for new experiences. That's why this statement by Mr. Bergson is so apropos. The eyes can only see what the mind is prepared to comprehend. If you're an open-minded person who is well-grounded, who is secure in the knowledge of who you are and what you're capable of. If you're unafraid of life and you like to tackle things head on and come up with goals and get the job done and see those goals through and move on to the next bigger one, then you're the kind of person that can withstand seeing something that's so tremendous or so scary or so otherworldly. And you'll be able to see those things with your eyes open. But if you're somebody who's been brainwashed by the 3D box of fear and the shit show and what the government wants you to believe, then boy, oh boy, uh, Mr. Bergson's absolutely correct. You will only see what you're prepared to understand or comprehend. That's why this is such a beautiful world of experiences. Lowell was prepared. He had prepared himself. He had done transcendental meditation. He had been working with other human beings, thousands of human beings. Let me tell you, because I worked in the entertainment industry, the food, and, high food and wine industry, 40 years. Lowell's got the same background, only he was like floor boss, job boss, walking the floor, you know, big, big hotels, casinos, stuff like that. And so you meet thousands of people in a week. So you're constantly talking, constantly exchanging information, but more importantly, constantly exchanging energies. And so Lowell was an adept at understanding the value of personal energy before that doorway in the mountain opened. Because I had spoken to thousands of people about wine and food chemistry, wine and food pairings. I was a winemaker, did everything in the wine trade. It just, I couldn't go any higher. And because of the amount of people that I spoke to, I was prepared emotionally because I had put myself out there to speak to thousands of people all over the world. 
So when you're prepared, when your mind is open, and when you have command over your own personality and you know what your goals are, you know what you want to do tomorrow, then it's not going to be a big deal when an interstellar conveyance comes down in your backyard and sits there for a minute and then flies away. You're not going to run for the hills. You'll be able to handle the situation if the U.S. government makes a big decision without your permission. You'll be able to handle it, not just hide in your house and, and wait for the phone to ring. So thoughts are things means that all of the words that we use either empower us or they don't. So Andre Bergson, hats off to you today, my friend. What an interesting thing to say. <clears throat> so really interesting. Uh, on December 6th through 11th, the Artemis 1, Orion, which is NASA's big, big rocket. It's the largest rocket NASA's ever launched. It's probably a little bit bigger than the Saturn V in 65, 67. Saturn V was huge. Uh, you're talking, you know, uh, half a million pounds of thrust per square foot. And it can lift, lift something like 40 tons. So it's a big, big rocket. Now, a few uh, podcasts ago, we talked about space belligerence. We showed some people talking about cislunar space. Cislunar is the very great distance from the moon out into the opening up area of deep solar system probing. So this is uh, the Artemis One taking off and We'll just leave it on that for a minute. So what I what I did on this the 11th, yeah, it was the 11th, and it, it had launched on the 6th, and I was watching a live uh, re-entry of the Artemis 1 coming back to Earth. And what the Artemis had done was made a beautiful figure eight. So it left the Earth, circled it, and then went up, overshot the top of the moon, flew around the dark side, came down from the bottom of the moon, came back, circled the Earth, and landed and the Artemis had a very interesting elliptical orbit. And before you think about the Apollo mission and the capsule coming down and the flames coming off the bottom of the capsule the way they used to do them, the Artemis One had a retro rocket firing system which would auto-adjust the rocket as it re-enters into the atmosphere. And remember, you're talking about a huge parabolic ellipse where that rocket has to adjust itself to glide down. And it also had three giant, you know, parachutes. But I didn't stick around for that part because what I found in the film uh, will blow your mind. Uh, so when we were talking about Venus coming in between the planet Earth and the sun, because the sun is going to explode its outer shell and there's going to be a micronova. And this is something that Lowell and I have been following very, very closely for many years. And there's also a lot of scientists that have been following this for many years who have dropped away from mainstream scientific communities, dropped away from NASA, dropped away from universities and retain their PhDs, but no longer support the illusion that everything's fine. And when Lowell and I decided to start talking about the sun and the impact on the human soul, 
I'm going to be talking about the impact of the sun on us right now, not the weather. Because if you want to know how earthquakes and the sun are related, just put on Ben Davidson, the weather and the sun, the ionosphere. Go watch Ben Davidson's show, Suspicious Observers, because Ben is so elegant at explaining what's going to happen. Uh, many of the members of his community are PhDs, and there's a lot of people who he's upset because he's, you know, he's put his life out there on the line. And people like Ben, have, they tried to shut him down a bunch of times because he's so damned accurate. Um, the other person about the earthquakes is uh, a guy named Dutch Sins, D-U-T-C-H-S-I-N-S-E. He has a a really interesting model of earthquakes and how they reverberate through the planet. <clears throat> and he has a, a three-dimensional model of the earth, uh, which is see-through. And he shows you the antipode. So if there's a, if there's a, a big earthquake, say in Papua New Guinea, where you go right across from that through the earth and it's what Iceland or something. And then a couple, uh, a day later, <clears throat> pardon me, a day later, Iceland has an earthquake. So Dutch Sense is a really great site to go and see if you want to understand what's going on. So Lola and I are probably going to have to put, you know, our thinking caps on and do this correctly because we're not looking for chicken little. You know, the sky is falling and all that other stuff. If you guys don't know what's going on in that part of the community, well, you better catch up because this is something that, my background in astrophysics and quantum mechanics, I'm not shying away from uh, Ben Davidson's theory or the theories of Wall Thornhill from the Thunderbolts project. They're, they're really on top of their stuff. So when I started talking about Venus blocking the sun from the Earth, then this is an image of that very thing. When the sun goes micronova and the shell is released the charged particle blast which will boil and burn every piece of copper on the surface of the planet up to two three four hundred feet down if it's granite all the magnetos all the component electric components of your vehicle won't work it'll all the batteries will melt the cables will melt all communication will cease on the planet when the micronova happens and all the planes will fall from the sky. It'll be real pandemonium, people, let me tell you. There's other things that I'm going to talk about in this as we start introducing the subject, because I know that Lowell, <clears throat> Lowell's fascinated, and, and I've always been interested in cataclysm theory, because that's what it is. And this is something that's so shocking for everybody that they go, oh, well, you know, there hasn't been a meteor uh, since the ones that wiped out the dinosaurs. Well, this isn't a meteor. This is a cycle that's been proven to occur every 12,500 years, give or take two or three or 400 years. And we're already late into the cycle. Right now, the, the sun is in a grand solar maximum. That's when there's a lot of activity. And then after a, about 10 to 11 years or 9 to 11 years of grand solar maximum, uh, that activity will slow down and goes into what's called grand solar minimum. So we're a little past uh, the halfway point of the 11-year cycle or the 10-year cycle of grand solar maximum. But this is a nice shot of Venus. Now, at the right time, I've been informed 
and I've been looking for evidence of, that when the sun goes, Venus will be in the exact right location between the Earth and the sun, and it will take the major part of the high-energized particle bombardment. We'll still have everything fry on the planet Earth, but it won't be the planet killer that it would be had Venus not been in place. I believe that Venus has come to our rescue every 12,500 years for the Micronova event. It's one of the reasons Venus is a planet made out of boiling uh, metal and an atmosphere of metallic gas. Venus is a very hot place, something like 48,000 degrees, and the gravitational pull is immense. You, you couldn't survive. But Venus comes into play right when Earth needs it, and that's why the Earth is still in existence, everybody. If Venus is a little bit off, then I've been told that the Andromeda fleet will come in and actually adjust its gravitational value and move it into place. So they're going to stay out of it until the very last moment. We've all talked about the arcs that come down and rescue large areas of forest and mushrooms and animals. We've talked about the, the ocean being swallowed up by these giant ships, which take all the fish and the whales away to terraform planets where they can be protected. People are also being removed. People with specific genetics, people who are good, who will be returned to help those that survive. The Kenny Bunkport mindset will be underground in the soft limestone cliffs of Vermont and Virginia. They're all going to get sealed in by tectonic movement. And the ones that survive will be known as the children of the sun. And we will survive. And we will be in absolute communication with Gaia and Mother Nature. And our children will play with animals and we will grow our own food and make our own clothing. And this will go on for thousands and thousands of years of paradise. I don't think that the Morlocks that are left over from the current regime of evil are going to survive. I think they're never going to get out of their caves and they're going to have to eat themselves and they'll disappear that way. But that's, you know, 5,000 years from now. I think that's a lovely picture. And it gives me as a astrophysicist and a math theoretician especially math theoretician, because it gives me something to chew on. I can calculate the movement of the planets to perhaps come up with a date when the sun's going to go. The other thing that it does for me is it gives me hope, you see, that the clockwork of the universe and the beautiful miracle of motion of our solar system and the way it is timed with all of the other stellar bodies is a miracle of survival and renewal. So this is something to be happy about. This is a nice image because it kind of gives you guys uh, an idea of different ways that Venus can block the earth. Um, and what it's done here is it's drawn out where the center <clears throat> of Venus lands. And you can see that it's in an equatorial position. Isn't that interesting? That band of green life that goes around the planet is also that band that is protected by Venus the most. And that's, you know, that's Gaia. 
communicating with the solar system. And that's the electromagnetic resonance and the dipole-dipole relationship between the sun and earth. If you go into the Thunderbolts project, uh, Wall Thornhill and Associates elegantly described the electromagnetic tholus that's produced and the giant heliarchal daisy array of electromagnetic petals that come off of Venus. Venus looks like a big electronic uh, tholus with flower petals coming off of it. And many of these images have been found in prehistory that were put together petroglyphs and rock cave wall art. Okay, so have a look at that. So this is uh, the camera on the Artemis. And look what I caught. All right, so this is a three-hour to six-hour film, re-entry film. And this is the camera. And look at it caught. Isn't that amazing? So, I don't know. I found this into like two and a half, two hours, 45 minutes. And you couldn't, you couldn't see it with the naked eye. So what I do is I rapid sh shoot video. And I'll rapid shoot the whole length of the video. And I'll take some 2,500 photographs. And then I'll go over them one at a time and see what shows up. I'll just like, look at that, you guys. Boom. And look at that beautiful long trail coming off behind that. You see that, Lowell? Yeah, I unmuted myself so I can ask you this question. Is that inside or outside of our atmosphere, Dave? That's outside. Okay. That's just, just okay. So the planet Earth is just a little bit to the left. And you can see another light artifact there in the lower left-hand corner of this photograph. Yeah, I was wondering what that was, that orb. So there's another shot of it flying, and then boom, there's a close-up. And what it looks to me is like a giant cigar with a, with a hot flaming plasma coming off of it. And if you come to the very left end of it, you can see a shadow under that little curvature. It almost looks like an, uh, a Stella. A stele, an Egyptian cartouche, looks mm. like a large cartouche, like a stone shape. But this could be quite big. And I'll just knock it back. Look at that fire trail coming from behind it. And it's moving away from the earth. And you can see it sort of swoops down. So it's checking out the Artemis. Now, I told everybody, you're not going to be able to go to Mars. Well, that gal from NASA was talking about, you know, how important it was to be in cislunar space. And I warned you guys, this is so that they could look at the, the whole solar system from a great distance and, and play chess with it and shoot missiles at planets and shoot missiles at other invaders. And so they're keeping an eye on us and they're faster than you would believe. So if anybody wants to scroll through a couple, two and a half, three hours of the Artemis launch just look it up on youtube the re-entry the live feed let's come back to earth for a minute i was talking to lowell about the relationship between inner earth species and outer earth species and we didn't take it to the next level but i've been thinking about the relationship between the people of inner earth and the people of outer space 
So I believe very sincerely that there are probably three or four types of sentient being from another world who have been living within the earth for many, many thousands of years and successfully with their interstellar conveyance, both sea bases and mountain bases. And I believe that they've been in harmony with the people of inner earth and that they work together. I think that the technological exchange that they did between each other, Lowell, happened many thousands of years ago, and now they just sort of quietly live in peace. What, what's your intuition on that? You're at, if you were to ask me, you're spot on. There, um, you think about the where the Lemurians originally, you know, star seeded from. They're Palladian and Orinians, and they were Syrians and they were Lyrians. So you know, they all came from somewhere else. Do we not believe for a moment that still that kind of communication with their home it isn't taking place? Mm-hmm. Um, it it's we're getting to a place where nobody's put this together yet. Nobody's bridged these two realms yet, have they, buddy? Um, uh, and it took you and I a while to kind of get used to our different realms before we saw the interactions. Then was right. when we and started it, to talk about, you know, um, lenticular clouds. And if that's really a shroud, you know, where are they going? What are they doing? Right. Well, wait a minute. <clears throat> yes, there's and communication this is what, taking place. What's interesting is that we there's no competition between Lowell and I about who came up with that thought first. It actually happened to both of us at the exact same time when we were having one of our garden afternoon chats that are completely private. And we both, it just kind of was like a realization. And we don't care who came first anyways. The idea is to get the information out there as quickly as possible. You know, think about the snake oil salesman who's selling coffee cups and he has the pill what ails you and it fixes that ailment. He can take care of you. And then think about Lowell and I sitting there going, Okay, you've had this experience. I've had this experience. Jesus, what if what if what if this is going on? And so this really explains to me. This explains all these marvelous videos that have been up on social media of these ships coming out of mountains, ships going into the water and flying under the water, ships, you know, flying into mountains, you know, at an incredible rate of speed. And like I said before. It's always in these fabulous, you know, Central American and South American countries. God bless Guatemala, Nicaragua, and, and Peru, you know, because their governments don't shoot these people down. They, they go, oh, look, the visitors are here. Ignore them because they're smarter than you. <laughs> yes. Right? So, Absolutely. you know, and, I, and, I, and I, I understand what you were saying the other, other day when we spoke about, <clears throat> look, at the, look at the damage we've done. You know, this carbon, 80-year carbon life form meat bag meat sack look at the damage that we could do in that 80 years and so i think that a lot of these species are holding off and part of that answer comes from what they told me and part of the answer comes from what they told lowell what the inner earth people told lowell but my friends above told me we've evolved as well we don't you know we don't want to do wipeouts we're really hoping you guys get it right because we don't want to have to and it's tough shit but it's not your planet. And I think people are going to need to start realizing that, especially if the sun goes pop in the next three, 10, 13 years, by 2033, let's just say, hypothetically, let's call it by 2033 at the latest, hypothetically. 
the micronova is going to occur. And so the people that live in inner earth, and this includes giants, gnomes, fairies, dwarves, we folk, the tiny little spirit dwellers of the forest. All right. Because I'm not going to just tell you, oh, look, I went to Taurus. And then not open my heart and my mind to the existence of these fabulous, fabulous other animals that have been living in the forest and in the jungles of our planet before we overpopulated it. Because we really have. We're just overpopulated. So this is such a beautiful picture of the forest. You see that, Lowell? Oh, man. Elementals is, hold a, a special place in my heart. Right? So this is in New Zealand. And I like New Zealand. I, I don't like you know, governments. I say New Zealand, I think of the people. When I used to drink, they have some of the best wine in the world, in the New World wines. But their countryside is protected. They have all these fabulous laws that just say, you better, you know, Pack it in, pack it out. And if we catch you not packing it out, all out, you're going to get a 10,000-pound fine for leaving your styrofoam cup out in the pristine lake, and they will. And I've heard of people being arrested for being stupid and careless, and I love it. So they're really... But this is such a lovely picture of the forest. And you see, when thoughts are things, you, you can help create these regions by thinking good thoughts towards them. But you can also remember to be vociferous about protecting our mother. You don't want to see a development there. You don't want to see a Burger King or a Walmart there because it might service a community of 127 people who live on a ranch 30 miles away. But corporations want to strip mine what you're looking at. So thoughts of things. Now, why do you want to sit and go, you know, ooh la la and get into the fifth dimension? What, what's this crap about I can't be happy on earth unless I'm talking to Jesus, the avatar in the seventh dimension? That's bullshit. It's bullshit. This is the Garden of Eden. You think that is going to be less pretty than heaven? Because source is the same as this. Look, you're looking at heaven. This is where we come from. But... They who have given away their sovereignty, right, Lowell? The ones that have given it away, they don't see this. So if the mind no. is only prepared, you know, to accept certain things when you see it, some people look at this and they go, yep, that's a lot of firewood. Or, yep, there might be some critters in there I could shoot and kill. All right? Well, those people are not slated for survival by Gaia's spirit. Hey, Scary lesson number 52, folks. If you're a jerk, you're going to perish. And believe me, when Gaia makes that final transference, she's going to leave your skeleton behind. And you're going to get rolled up with the rocks, and they might find you in 20 million years and go, oh, look. Hey, isn't that beautiful? This mm -hmm. is a secret temple out in Central America. And nobody excavates it. Nobody talks about where it's at, but a friend sent me the picture. And he works in Guatemala protecting a cocoa plantation. It's one of the oldest uh, genetic, it is the oldest genetic plant of cocoa in the world. And he's an environmentalist that's protecting it. Anyways, this is somewhere in the Nicaraguan 
rainforest and it's a very sacred place. Yeah, I saw this. There's a group of young men on YouTube and they travel the world. They're called Yes Theory. And I think this was one of those places they went to seek out and right. it took them three days to hike there from the closest place they can oh, get yeah, to. It, it's absolutely impossible to get to. But now look right in the center of the screen towards the bottom. There's a stairway covered with moss that goes nowhere. Yes. Yes. And and that's there were not, a couple of instances of that. That's right. And those door that's a that wall that it comes to is is like 40 feet high. Okay. Those stairs are three and a half feet high. The wall is like 30 foot high. And there's that's not missing rocks. It's not supposed to be a continuous ledge. That is a porthole. Yes. When you ascend those stairs. And if you look very carefully, there are no stairs to get up to the top of the temple unless you clamber over the top of the temple up to the, the third or fourth story. Right now, you're looking at about 70 feet, 70 or maybe 80 or 90 feet. Then the stairs on the right-hand side at the right top corner of the picture, those big, broad stairs go up that grand avenue to the very top. And what's at the top? It's not an Aztec temple. This 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 uh, site predates Olmec. This is like... 45 to 90,000 years old as far as carbon dating can like tell us anything it's probably much much older but it looks like the bent pyramid also in in Saqqara doesn't it yes it's it was put there for some energetic purpose of course and all the it's not were, that yeah. it's not without value right these it's, places are being reactivated totally but it's so pretty because this is heaven. I don't want to hear stories from people in the community about how they la 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 off to the seventh dimension for three days because that three days could have been better spent here saving the rainforest. I mean, I'm really getting tired of like, oh, well, ascension means that I can live spiritually in a higher realm. Well, no, it doesn't. Ascension means that you have to do the right thing while you're here and you try and adjust your heart to understand the higher frequencies and the and the love that the universe has and the love that Gaia has for you because you love Gaia unconditionally more than anything. You give your life for the planet. No questions asked. And if you're not thinking that way, you don't get a go. You don't get it's a go. It's all vibratory in the end. Right? It's all vibratory. Oh. It, wherever Earth totally, goes, I mean, is going to be gonna, contingent on your frequency, dude, my friend. We're gonna, we're gonna, dude, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about how people that vibrate at the right frequency are not going to be affected at all by the micronova, right? right? Right. Because for all the doomsaying and all these people going, oh, the end is nigh, end of days, biblical prophecy, and the rest of this stuff. If your head is in the right place, which is aligned with your heart and your chakras are aligned and you care more than anything for life, this is about loving everything about life. Remember what El told me, no stone, pool of water, tree or star in the night sky is without a soul. Every piece of creation is an intrinsic link to your development as a species spiritually. And unless you're connected that, oh, brother rock, Oh, Sister Snow, unless you have that divine relationship or try to, then your frequencies are just like, Bleh. 
You know, I'm going to go have a ding dong and a Pepsi because I'm a dumb shit. And I don't care about anything. Just give me a brand new car. Well, all right, whatever. You're not coming. And it's our job to make you realize that everything will be okay. Just keep on the path that you're on. Because that love path that you have, and it's regardless of whether you listen to me or listen to Lowell, regardless. That's not our job to like keep you here. Go someplace else and study. But all we want for you to do is to love yourself and love the planet. Our job is to train you into thinking that way. That's our job. Certainly my job. And I know that Lowell's had lessons given him to share with humanity. Look at that. Now see... I don't want to go to the fifth dimension to go hang with some avatar in the Crystal City right now because I still got this on Earth. Look at how beautiful that canopy is. Oh, my God. I just want to, like, you know, just walk around, you know, just have a cup of herb tea and walk barefoot through there. Right? You can't help but thinking you're just bathed in light when you're oh my in God. that space. Oh, my God. If I could dwell within this one image forever it's just so beautiful nothing is more beautiful than our planet nothing isn't this beautiful this is a pretty picture i pulled off the internet and it's it's an artist design i don't think anything is real i think it's a cut and paste but it's so wonderful it's some kid in their pajamas with this beautiful sort of semi-mythical stag in the forest and they're both in observance of each other. And it's absolute love and peace. Because this is how we're supposed to be with nature. Not driving around in $9,000 suits in a $200,000 sports car. It's just, it's hideous. 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 So this is such a beautiful thought to keep. And when we keep thoughts like this, it helps break down the the borders of people's bad thinking because the other job is not just to help you think about love. It's to help everyone, including us. Your feedback is just as important as what we're feeding out there in the airwaves. Look at that. Oh, wow, you found some choice things, didn't you? Yeah, this is in Guatemala. It's a rainforest photograph. Isn't that pretty? Mm. And it's full of life. You can't see it. <clears throat> you can't see the life, but it's there. Oh, there's some. There's another rainforest. Isn't that fabulous? Now, this one's see, uh, a Pacific Northwest. That's what happens Northwest. when you leave Mother Nature to herself. And right. that's the beauty that you get. Wouldn't you rather be sitting there on that stone playing a flute or meditating than driving bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic to your $90,000-a-year job? Yep. Right. Get over it. There's nothing that you can possess that will make your soul better. Get rid of all of your material possessions. Come close to Mother Earth. Time to eliminate, not accumulate, and use the money for a good purpose. Buy an acre of land, grow your own food, and put your hands into the soft earth as you plant your potatoes. And give thanks for this life. Oh, look. This is uh, about four days ago. I heard the voice. David, David, we're here, David. 
so that's the dry cleaner next to the next to the seat that you and I sat in, and there's part of the chili and mesquite tree in my garden. I know exactly the spot you're referring to. Just looking straight up, dude. Yep. And I just, you know, I heard Toth. He's like, David, David, we here. And so I have a beautiful short little video clip. I'll show you the next time we hook up. The ship that he's in comes in really slowly, but then it goes like this. Whoop! It makes a complete circle, jiggles a little bit, <laughs> jiggles a little, and then it goes really slowly forward. So he's like, you know, as soon as I got, because he's saying, you know, put the video on and I'll do a little thing. And so the ship's coming in. And then he goes whoop like that, a nice short, tight little circle. Thing turns on a dime. There's another shot of it. She's just sitting there. Yeah. And I got a close-up of it too. They flashed me a good one. Oh, look at that. Wow. Oh yeah. Yeah, there ain't no green and red lights on that, people. Oh, look, no. it's a UAP. There you go, folks. This is four days ago. Right? So it's real. I bet unicorns are real, too. They just live in inner Earth. You know, my mom used to tell me that unicorns were too shy to get on the ark, and that's why there's none left. <laughs> so, they are they're higher dimensional beings, but yes, unicorns are a thing. Right. So, so that's the craft he chose to be in. Let's just go back a little bit. That's a good shot of it. And so that was a just a booming cube. He's in like a, a short, flat rectangle and just going blippity blip, blip, blip with the light download. Bloody marvelous. And of course, he went away and I felt better. He made some like health adjustment to me also, which is interesting because those things also come in through the light. You don't just get messages and you don't get upgrades. Okay, everybody, when they flash a light at you, it could do all sorts of stuff. It could decalcify your pineal gland. It could help remove any like evil thoughts. Uh, when they flash a light at you, it can also change things for you that makes you feel better or have you uh, feel that experience of like incredible intellectual lust when you've had an epiphany, right? Because when you start developing that relationship with your own mind and your own intellect, you don't need anybody else to entertain you, okay? You entertain yourself because you've got a conscious conversation going on. And then so when Lowell and I can go outside now, you know, he can walk into this vapor that is this energized field that's out in the ley lines that he's found. Or I can go out of my garden when I hear Toth going, David, David, show up. And I go outside and, you know, I've got my camera ready. I go, oh, 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 there he is. Boop, 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 boop take a couple of pictures because they're they're supporting us they're supporting us by their presence they're telling us take some pictures put them up there you go pictures oh yeah that's a real good close-up wow right mm -hmm. and you can see all kinds of stuff going on around the ship there's shadows there's like there's almost two parts to this ship that's what uh, that's what i was thinking there's plasma behind it, this sort of purple aura, and then there's this sort of dark gray-green globular thing around it. So it's a it's a great close-up. I mean, the thing couldn't have been, I don't know, let's see, let's have a look. Yeah, it wasn't more than 1,500 feet above the bakery garden, bro. Look at that. Came in silently, stealth as you know what. Stealth mm -hmm. as... <laughs> So the only way that anybody would have known it was there is if 
Toast said, hey, come outside. I'm here, you stupid, stupid monkey. Oh, look at those two. So this is like uh, the Angora World Park, or this will be the Amboseli, right, in Africa. I always thought of elephants as land whales. <laughs> right? Land whales. I've never really thought about it that way, but uh, they have this fabulous, that. fabulous vibrating chamber in their frontal lobe, and they communicate. And so, you know, they can cross very deep rivers and they keep their trunk up out of the river and they could be, you know, 30 feet of water and the elephant's trunk will be like a breathe, breathable periscope and they'll yeah. march to the other side under a rushing river because they weigh five tons up to 10 or 20. Actually, big bulls are huge. But, you know, this one's obviously, the one in the back's a juvenile. is probably about six or seven years old. He's just got little tusklets. This one's a little older, probably a, a year or two ahead, and he's had a bang on one of his tusks. Land whales. And now see, Earth is heaven. We're evolving along with these beautiful sentient species, and elephants are so dear. They're so smart. They're like, you know, smarter than an octopus. And it's, octopus is pretty damn smart. Oh, and there's a giraffe. And I just... Wanted to drive home the simple message that we have such a beautiful world. And it's still, still full of hope and life. And that life is powerful and vibrant. And it will go on forever, you see. These beautiful animals that have a permanent relationship of love and bliss and joy with Mother Earth. Because they are without sin. They cast no stones. And they think not about mankind. Nothing good, nothing bad. They just avoid us. They avoid us. One day, many thousands of years ago, you could have walked up to that animal, stroked its leg, and it would lean down and probably give you a kiss on the top of your head. But those days are not happening right now. But they're coming back. Those days are coming back. Isn't that wonderful? See, to me, this is heaven. I don't distinguish anything off this planet. Listen, deep stellar space, when they, I was sat in front of a huge crystal window, and Weimer stood there with me in that weird chair, and, and we went to Taurus, and we went to Broke Kali, just down from Aldebaran, maybe one and a half million light years from Aldebaran, the giant yellow star. And that was beautiful, but I'm sorry. This is more beautiful than deep stellar space. It's so pretty, but, you know, space is cold. I think this is amazing. I think this is heaven on earth. And look at that dear character. I love Scarlet Macaws. They're so fun. And look at that. Isn't that amazing? It's like a rainbow kingfisher, but it's a dwarf. It's a tiny little one. And it's just one of those types of animals that are super, super tiny, super delicate, and super dependent on being left alone. Sometimes it's a good thing to stay out of Mother Nature so that her little babies can exist in peace and quiet, too. And then I couldn't resist putting in some undersea stuff. You know, the world on the bottom, the world on the top, the world inside of this world. 
is just as beautiful as this. Look at that. Absolutely. The planet is coming back. The Great Barrier Reef has had a huge bloom. There's been a lot of scaremongering about coral reefs dying. Uh -uh. The planet's not heating up. It's cooling. And coral requires cold water. And boy, is it getting it. There's more South Arctic ice developing right now than ever before. The North Pole has shifted. There's more ice in the North Pole right now than ever before. But they'll keep telling you it's melting. <laughs> Part of their heat the planet up, panic everybody, and charge a false tax agenda. Aren't they beautiful? Do you know that many species of goldfish come from Africa? Did you know that? I did not. Isn't that fascinating? They live in these beautiful, beautiful pools in Tanganyika, Lake Tanganyika and the Victoria Falls. They have their own versions of different types of goldfish. There's thousands of different types, and they're such delicate little creatures. That's beautiful. I love diving and snorkeling. I always have. And look at him. Right? Look mm -hmm. at that face. You can see his eye. And all the bubbles he made, that's a juvenile uh, gray whale or blue whale. Sorry, that's a juvenile blue whale. And there's some orca. Look how beautiful the water is. You see, we're in heaven on earth. And so it's really important not to go pining off for the 12th dimension to some lollygag with a, an avatar of some holy man. That's all crap. Live now. Open your eyes. See the beauty and feel it. Go to the water and put your hand in the water and send a spirit voice to it. And who knows, if you can keep your hand in the water long enough, maybe some little fish will come up. Aren't they wonderful? I love dolphins. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a nice picture. So this is our home world. And it's not too old of a photograph. Look how beautiful and green it is. Right? So that's a nice picture of the earth. You can see the deserts of Chihuahua, Mexico, up towards the Nevada, Texas, Arizona border. Come down there, you can see Patagonia and Chile. Now that region, that sandy stripe on the west side of South America at the bottom, where it looks like a big white wave, that's where the government sends all of those satellites down into is that beautiful pristine piece of water and then this is my last uh, photograph to finish things off i just love this picture this is an old nasa photo but it's one of my favorites of our planet isn't that amazing it is i saw this when i was in our ship lifting away from the planet earth and i cried my eyes out we were coming up over the the east side of South America and the ship lifted up like this and I could see the islands of Martinique and I could see Barbados and the ship came up like this and when South America passed into the darkness this is what I saw before seeing the black space and the ship moved like this so I had this huge rectangular window and I was just bawling I'd never seen anything so beautiful in my life and it made you know, I was having this conversation with a friend today we were talking about perspectives so we've been wandering around in Sedona and there's a beauty to that I, I, I can't deny however I get frustrated now because my only version is when my feet are on the ground 
I want to see things from a higher perspective. I'm used to, you know, somewhere in my field, that's the perspective that I'm used to seeing. And I can't get it when gravity is, uh, you know, keeping me here. Well, gravity is not too much of an issue uh, when you're in an interstellar conveyance of manufacture from a species from another world. When you're flying in a human-made projectile, it's a little different. Yeah, yeah. The way well, that you can, the way that you can actually see this is through astral projection, and of course, you can reach that through TM, transcendental meditation. You can also do astral projection from lying in your bed before you sleep and repeating a mantra over and over again about i would like to be above the earth tonight in my dreams i would like to fly above the earth tonight in my dreams and that will happen eventually you'll your body will your soul will go but it has to be something you really want then the other thing is is when you have the beginning contact where they're actually interested in using you for part of their program because i've said it before people they use us. Okay, we are manipulated. And I'm I'm willingly and willfully manipulated by them because I know they love us so much that, you know, I've made a lot of decisions in my life that were okay. But the decisions I've been making now have all been based on honesty, integrity, protecting the planet, and, you know, how much can I serve man? And they know that. So they've, they've helped me get to that point where I'm, I'm a free thinker completely and and I spend all my time on their program. And then I get my my break time, too. It's almost like it's not 24-7, but I choose to work with them for probably 30 hours a week. And if right now, if I get too tired of it, I'll just shut them off. But when they start relating to you and they come down, they'll show you their ship over and over again. And then they'll do CLPT and CLPF. So you get continuous light pulse flashing, which leads to continuous light pulse technology transmissions transmissions yeah. and you get that boom 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 and those are those lamellar stacked mathematic images which cause an enzymatic response to be produced by your limbic system since they still don't know what your pre-brain is they call it a limbic system because it sounds good and it's like well it's a lot of glands and they do this this and this they don't really know right so this is your ancient brain well, they know that because they knew you when you were in a pond. This is your ancient brain. So they know how to reach out to it because you were partly put together by them. So they send images that your ancient brain will respond to. Not your higher cognitive centers, not your cerebrum. They're sending stuff to your cerebellum, your hippocampus, your your. Uh, parietal lobes, your pituitary gland, there's, and your diencephalon, they're sending information into that region because it will cause a response. It's like a telegraph wire. You know, it's an iron needle on a copper plate. It goes, dee 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 Well, think of your, your nervous system like being a copper plate, but having a photon hit that copper plate and it sounds more like a symphony by Mozart. And those vibrations that are happening at billions of vibrations per nanosecond from light produce a picture, three-dimensional image. 
something that you can take action, something that you can do. That's what happens. So CLPT and CLPF or CLPF and CLPT lead to higher cognition. They will give you messages two or three or four weeks or one or two or three months or three months to three years. Those messages will unfold. See, they get stacked, but then they're three-dimensional. They have dimensionality. And so your brain will project that dimensionality where? Into your higher cognitive function regions, right? Your frontal lobe, your occipital lobe here and back, processing the stuff that your eyes see. Well, you have a movie projector on the inside of the, your, your forehead right here. There's a movie projector and a screen. So the back of your side, pretend there's a screen on the back side of your forehead. There to the left, in hem, left uh, upper hemisphere, you have your Broca's area. The Broca's area helps you convert thoughts into words so that you can communicate effectively. So if you have a relationship with your mind, you can understand your Broca's region and then decide whether you want to spend all day going, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, uh instead of speaking to people. So it's just understanding your mind and having that relationship. You know, if you need to go out and get a thesaurus because you can finally speak properly, great, go get 10. Because there's, you know, the Oxford one and the Cambridge one. There's a whole bunch for the U.S. Department of Education. Whatever it takes for you to be able to communicate back what they've taught you. Because it's really important. Because then you become not only a transmitter and a receiver, but then you become a beacon of hope. You become a beacon of light. You say, oh, no, 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 no. This reality is a shit show. You live in a fear box. Here we are. We love our planet. You're not in charge. You can go fuck off and die because you are trying to kill our planet. You're going to be left behind. We are ascended. You are going to pass away and we're not going to feel bad about it. And if you want to be all like smarmy and sit there and go, oh, I feel really sorry for all those multi-trillionaires in Kenny Bunkport that developed a new H-bomb. Oh, they're all going to perish? Oh, I'm not happy about that. Well, then you can go too. Because you got to pick sides, folks. You're either with the planet and joy and happiness and love and kindness, or you're not. And I've said that before too. It's not a rant. It's reality. Suck it up. Right? It's not about being on a winning team or who's right. It's about what your heart message is. You've got to love your planet just like you love your own kids. If you don't love your own kids, well, what kind of parent are you? How, what kind of child of the earth are you? You don't even deserve life if you don't love your children. So this is the paradigm of connection. is not just a conduit of evolutionary emotional discharge. You are a thinking, feeling human being. There lies your responsibility to others around you. And not just humans, but plants and animals. Stones, trees, rocks, flowers, dead leaves, and stars in the sky. It is not selective. So when they have that relationship with you, your CLPT and CLPF have come together, you understand what they're telling you to say and do, then they come down and they take you. Whoosh. And that's what you see. They watch your response, Lowell. They'll look at you and they'll watch you looking out the window and they'll record your emotions, your behavior, what sounds you made. They record every aspect 
of your reaction to seeing your home planet. And that's when they make a decision of whether or not they want to have anything else to do with you. And so there's more tests. You get tested. Just like you got tested in Talos. You know, when you got inside the mountain, you weren't slapping your back pocket for your Bowie knife. You were like, oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for welcoming me. You're not looking for a gun because you're going to take them down because it doesn't work and it's not part of the 3D box. You open your heart up and allow the experience to pass through you. And only when the experience of life and reality passes through us, then we're able to resonate with it. You must feel these things. It's true that your human body is a conduit for emotions. And those emotions are so special, they identify you. And those little chemicals that your emotions produce, they can make you sick or they can make you healthy. They can make you have lots of friends or make you live alone in sadness. But you get to make the decision about how you want to behave by their behavior towards you. What are you feeding within your own system? What are you feeding into your own heart? What are you feeding into yourself that doesn't allow you to communicate freely with your mind and your heart? Because if you communicate freely with your mind and your heart, then you can have some say about how your emotions make you behave. And then you can behave not unattached to emotions, but not controlled by them. CLPT and CLPF teaches all of this by showing you the dimensionality of the thought process. When you understand that you have an infinite dimensional space here, then you understand that everything, even a tiny molecule of oxygen or an atom of hydrogen has an entire universe of dimensionality within. But we're all connected. So it's this super wonderful time like gravity and sound that bind all of us together so that heaven can exist as well. And remember the divine creator came first. Divine creator created time in order to house light, gravity, and sound, and to let things live and go on forever. Eternity was created by the creator. All species off-world believe in the divine creator and often refer to the divine creator of that which has produced only love and light. And so when I hear people in the tribe saying, I send you lots of light and love, or lots of love and light, I always feel so special because that's what they say too. So if you think you're not really involved, folks, you are. Because you're using language that they use. You're starting to use terms that they speak to each other in. Harmonious value systems based on spoken and written language. Because the power of the word is it truly a force. Thoughts are things. And if you speak a very powerful thought, you can change the world. I've changed the reality of the world around me by the thoughts that I manifest. They allowed me to have this so that when I think of something, it happens. When I feel something is going to happen, it happens. They took my intuition, which was okay. You know, I'm a divorced father, right? And the divorce was my fault. It wasn't like 
I was cheating on my wife. I was always out of wine tastings getting bombed off my ass. And so when I did come home after a flight to Switzerland, you know, here's a roll of fifties and I'd be passed out. So, but as a divorced dad, I always had to make my own adjudications about being there for my son, being there for my ex-wife, you know, cause you still love that person. That's why you married him in the first place. And how am I going to make sense of all of this and still become the person that I kind of want to be? Well, they came in and cleared all that stuff. And they just said, you already are those things that you desire. Don't look for money and gold and big boxes of gemstones. Don't look for material wealth. Those things exist within you already. So you carry them in your mind's eye and you have all the wealth in the world. You are a trillion times the wealth of the Sultan of Brunei by the thoughts that you keep. And so you can be the luckiest man or woman alive because you possess all of the greatest wisdom and all the greatest wealth on our planet. And then when you understand that, then you have no problem speaking to species that otherwise would surprise you. As we can go back to, we can go back to our original photograph of our great philosopher friend, Henri. There we go. There he is. The eyes can only see what the mind is prepared to comprehend. Right? So you have to make the decision about how far you're going to take this. I remember the, the scene in like Poltergeist 3. I, I like spooky ghost movies. Well, I did when I was younger. And uh, there's a scene where they have this really creepy pastor and he has this big wide brim black hat and he's pulling this boulder down over the top of his parishioners. And he's telling him, it's like the end of days is here. And he's pulled this boulder down. And of course they all die and suffocate, starve to death. And all their spirits are controlled by this guy. And it's this big manipulation thing. And it's super spooky, super spooky. But because of the nature of many of us who are both scientists or people that love other people, people that love the planet, people that love Lemurians that have love from Lemuria, all right, powerful, powerful love coming from the, those, those species. And the more I get to know Lowell, the closer I become to this and to understand how they resonate, you see. And that's what Lowell can teach me is how they resonate because I'm starting to feel it. And this has only just started happening. So the eyes can only see what the mind is prepared to comprehend means. Thoughts are things. You control your own comprehension. Not an app perception of something or a perception. Not someone else's understanding or a thought that you think you understood it. It is that your mind has to be resolute in value systems, the system of joy. There is no reestat for producing that vibration, everyone. There's no knob to twist. You can Dharma, Karma, and Barma your way right to the seventh dimension to go see Christ the Avatar, but you're still not going to find joy, and I'll tell you why. Joy is about behavior. Your behavior can be joyous. You can do things that produce joy, and as soon as you do joyful things, well, then all the love and the beautiful things flow from you, and Gaia comes right up through you. And this is how you get that high vibrational energy charge. Man, I'm talking 784 plus. 
boom. And then up to 1100, 1400, 3009, 3900 hertz in the high vibration plateau of star systems. Just whoosh. So right now I'm, you know, 748, 760. That's where I want to be. That's good for me because I've been having really high vibrations because there's been a lot of good love coming from the planet. Lots and lots of good love coming from tribe. And I know Lowell and I, Lowell, we talked about this about four or five days ago. We were laughing. I mean, you pick up, I was picking up the phone when I was thinking of Lowell and he was calling me and we just started laughing because the energy was so high. Do you remember that? I, you can't ignore when oh those kind of synchronicities happen. Oh my God. So much good energy. And it was yeah. just like flowing out of the phone from Lowell, flowing from me, that we both felt it. So we just called each other up and started laughing because it was that good. So you know, we, there's a really yeah. good example to, to kind of point people toward when you talk about when your frequencies match or your vibrations match, something beyond your five senses just right. kicks in. And right. so I know that that subset of me is over in Dave's field too. And oh, everybody else who's on that same wavelength, that's what we're trying to explain. We're trying to explain Earth's consciousness from that perspective is on the rise. She's in a cosmic totally. cycle. And totally. we're just riding it out here, trying to advise people what is to come. Well, I felt so much really great energy, too, after uh, Vivian Chauvet came on as, our, as my guest. And, you know, two or three days later, it always happens. It was just like being in a balloon factory. It was just so much fun. So much fun. Yes. And it's just then that energy was resonating all over the place. The whole garden was bouncing around going, singing the song of Vivian Chauvet because she's such a beautiful spirit. But she produced a whole bunch of energy and then released those triggers within me. Because while Vivian and I were communicating and other people were listening, she really was able to communicate some very deep things. And so, of course, I'm so excited to sit here and talk to Vivian that they didn't impact me the way that they were supposed to. So and then it, like, <laughs> that's the beauty of recording these things. Two or two so, or three days. Oh yeah. Now you're the vessel. You can I watched always that go back and listen to the message. Like, I watched it like twice. <laughs> and it was funny because she's such a doll. But then it was mm -hmm. like that information came in and she set us up. Yeah. The way she spoke, the sound of her voice, the vibrational patterns of her voice and the topics that she chose to speak about. It was like she was putting into place the foundation of a temple, and then at the end of the interview, she put the crystal on top, and the whole thing went. Yeah. So really a really nice time. So that energy came through. And it's interesting, because we get to a certain resonance, you guys. Cell phones don't bother you. Cell phone towers don't affect you. Computers don't affect you. It doesn't matter if your neighbor's watching TV all day because it doesn't affect you. Because what happens is that you produce a harmonious natural sine wave, right? You produce a wave, like a tidal wave. You produce a sine wave. Sine waves are what? Beautiful peaks, smooth peaks and valleys, smooth peaks and valleys, sine wave. And sine waves can be very powerful. And so when that scalar wave, that jiggity-jaggity sharp up and down needle wave, the <laughs> It hits that sine wave, 
And the sine wave converts the scalar wave into itself, turns it the scalar radiation into a sine wave. And so when you hit that right frequency, all this shit can be going off. Cell phone towers, jerks on a ham radio, the U.S. government stomping around like a bunch of Nazis. But guess what? It doesn't affect you anymore. So it's getting that frequency right, feeling the needs of our dear Mother Earth and all of her beautiful animals and all the wonderful little boys and girls, all the children in every country, all the moms and dads. Let's send them all that beautiful, healthy, heartfelt healing power and let them know that they're loved. We don't have to be in front of them to tell them. We just have to send it to them. So I'd like everybody, before we close tonight, Let's take a deep breath. I'd just like to say how very fortunate all of us are to have each other. The moment when we stop trusting our friends who love us is the moment we stop trusting our own sanity. We have each other and we hold each other and we hold this space because we have to. We have to. Because if we don't hold the space of forgiveness, pure bright white light, love for our Mother Earth, and openness to communication at a higher frequency with our Mother when she says it's time to do it. Because the animals of the planet will speak to us when it is time. And we will go with our Mother. Because that's who we choose to go with. I want to thank everybody for coming on to Star Chat this evening. Lowell, like I said, was sort of impromptu. I thought I was going to talk alone all night, and I realized I've done most of the talking. But gosh, it was nice having you. Nice to see I'm you. I'm always here to be your sidekick, buddy, and I will chime in when it's necessary. Sidekick's cool, but you're more like my <laughs> you're you're more like my psychic sidekick. So true. Keep up the good work. All right. Thanks God for inviting me. Have a beautiful night, everyone. Namaste, and we'll see you next Thursday. Right on target. <laughs>